Pendant Productions proudly presents King John, written by William Shakespeare. Act One. Now say, Chetillon, what would France with us? Thus, after greeting, speaks the King of France in my behaviour to the Majesty, the borrowed Majesty of England here. A strange beginning. Borrowed Majesty. Silence, good mother. Hear the embassy. Philippe of France, in right and true behalf of thy deceased brother Geoffrey's son, Arthur Plantagenet, lays most lawful claim to this fair island and the territories to Irland, Poitiers, Anjou, Touraine, Maine, desiring thee to lay aside the sword, which sways usurpingly these several titles, and put these same into young Arthur's hand, thy nephew, and right royal sovereign. What follows if we disallow this? The proud control of fierce and bloody war to enforce these rights so forcibly withheld. Here have we war for war and blood for blood, controlment for controlment. So answer France. Then take my king's defiance from my mouth, the farthest limit of my embassy. Bear mine to him, and so depart in peace. Be thou as lightning in the eyes of France, for ere thou canst report, I will be there. The thunder of my cannon shall be heard so hence. Be thou the trumpet of our wrath and solemn presage of your own decay. An honorable conduct let him have. Fembra, look to it. Farewell, Shatian. What now, my son? Have I not ever said how that ambitious Constance would not cease till she had kindled France and all the world upon the right and party of her son? This might have been prevented and made whole with very easy arguments of love, which now the manage of two kingdoms must, with fearful bloody issue, arbitrate. Our strong possession and our right for us. Your strong possession, much more than your right, or else it must go wrong with you and me. So much my conscience whispers in your ear, which none but heaven and you and I shall hear. My liege, here is the strangest controversy come from country to be judged by you that e'er I heard. Shall I produce the men? Let them approach. Our abbeys and our priories shall pay this expedition's charge. What men are you? Your faithful subject, I. A gentleman born in Northamptonshire, and eldest son, as I suppose, to Robert Falconbridge, a soldier by the honor-giving hand of Richard the Lionheart, knighted in the field. What art thou? The son and heir to that same falcon bridge. Is that the elder, and art thou the heir? You came not of one mother, then, it seems. Most certain of one mother, mighty king, that is well known. 
And as I think one father, but for the certain knowledge of that truth, I put you o'er to heaven and to my mother. Of that I doubt, as all men's children may. Out on thee, rude man! Thou dost shame thy mother, and wound her honour with this diffidence. I, madam? No, I have no reason for it. That is my brother's plea, and none of mine, for which if he can prove, a pops me out at least from fair five hundred pound a year. Heaven guard my mother's honour and my land. A good blunt fellow. Why, being younger born, doth he lay claim to thine inheritance? I know not why, except to get the land. But once he slandered me with bastardry. But whether I be as true begot or no, that still I lay upon my mother's head. But that I am as well begot, my liege. Therefore the bones that took the pains from me. Compare our faces, and be judge yourself. If old Sir Robert did beget us both, and were our father, and this son like him, O oh, old Sir Robert, father, on my knee I give heaven thanks, I was not like to thee. Why, what a madcap hath heaven lent us here? He hath a trick of the Lionheart's face. The accent of his tongue affecteth him. Do you not read some tokens of my son in the large composition of this man? Mine eye hath well examined his parts, and finds them perfect, Richard. Sirrah, speak. What doth move you to claim your brother's land? Because he hath a half-face like my father. With half that face would he have all my land, a half-faced groat, five hundred pound a year. My gracious liege, when that my father lived, your brother did employ my father much- Well, sir, by this you cannot get my land. Your tale must be how he employed my mother. And once dispatched him in an embassy to Germany, there with the emperor to treat of high affairs touching that time. The advantage of his absence took the king, and in the meantime sojourned at my father's, where how did prevail I shame to speak, but truth is truth. Large lengths of seas and shores between my father and my mother lay, as I have heard my father speak himself when this same lusty gentleman was got. Upon his deathbed, he by will bequeathed his lands to me, and took it on his death that this, my mother's son, was none of his. And if he were, he came into the world full fourteen weeks before the course of time. Then, good my liege, let me have what is mine, my father's land, as was my father's will. Sirrah, your brother is legitimate. Your father's wife did after wedlock bear him, and if she did play false, the fault was hers. Which fault lies on the hazards of all husbands that marry wives. Tell me, how of my brother, who, as you say, took pains to get this son, had of your father claimed this son for his? In sooth, good friend, your father might have kept this calf bred from his cow from all the world. In sooth, he might. Then, if he were my brother's, my brother might not claim him. No, your father, being none of his, reviews him. This concludes, my mother's son did get your father's heir. Your father's heir must have your father's land. Shall then my father's will be of no force to dispossess what child which is not his? Of no more force to dispossess me, sir, than was his will to get me, as I think. Whether hadst thou rather be a Falconbridge, and like thy brother, to enjoy thy land, or the reputed son of Cœur de Lyon, lord of thy presence, and no land beside. Madam, and if my brother had my shape, 
and I had his, so Robert's his like him. And if my legs were two such riding rods, my arms such eelskin stuffed, my face so thin that in mine ear I durst not stick a rose, lest men should say, look where three farthings goes, and to his shape were heir to all this land. Would I might never stir from off this place, I would give it every foot to have this face. I would not be Sir Nob in any case. I like thee well. Will thou forsake thy fortune, bequeath thy land to him, and follow me? I am a soldier, and now bound to France. Brother, take you my land, I'll take my chance. Your face hath got five hundred pound a year, yet sell your face for five pence, and tis dear. Madam, I'll follow you unto the death. <laughs> Nay, I would have you go before me thither. Our country manners give our betters way. What is thy name? Philip, my liege, so has my name begun. Philip, good old Sir Robert's wife's eldest son. From henceforth, bear his name whose form thou bearest. Kneel thou down, Philip, but rise more great. Arise, Sir Richard and Plantagenet. Brother by the mother's side, give me your hand. My father gave me honor, yours gave land. Now blessed by the hour, by night or day, when I was got, Sir Robert was away. The very spirit of Plantagenet. I am thy grandam, Richard. Call me so. Madam, by chance, but not by truth. What, though? Something about a little from the right in at the window, or else o'er this hatch? Who dares not stir by day must walk by night, and have his half, however men do catch. Near or far off, well one is still well shot. And I am I, however I was begot. Go, Falconbridge, now hast thou desire. A landless knight makes thee a landed squire. Come, madam, and come, Richard, we must speed for France. For France, for it is more than need. Brother, adieu, good fortune come to thee. For thou wast got in the way of honesty. A foot of honor better than I was, but many a many foot of land, the worse. Well, now can I make any Joan a lady? Good den, Sir Richard. God a mercy, fellow. And if his name be George, I'll call him Peter. For new made honor doth forget men's names. Tis too respective and too sociable for your conversion. Now your traveler, he and his toothpick at my worship's mess. And when my nightly stomach is sufficed, why, then I suck my teeth and catechise my picked man of countries. My dear sir, thus leaning on my elbow, I begin, I shall beseech you. That is question now. And then comes answer, like an absy book. Oh, sir, says answer, at your best command, at your employment, at your service, sir. No, sir, says question. I, sweet sir, at yours. And so, ere answer knows what question would, saving in dialogue of compliment and talking of the Alps and Apennines, the Pyrenean and the River Po, it draws towards supper. In conclusion, sir, but this is worshipful society and fits the mounting spirit like myself 
for he is but a bastard to the time that doth not smack of observation. And so am I, whether I smack or no, and not alone in habit and device, exterior form, outward accoutrement, but from the inward motion to deliver sweet, sweet, sweet poison for the age's tooth, which, though I will not practice to deceive, yet to avoid deceit, I mean to learn, for it shall strew the footsteps of my rising. But who comes in such haste in riding robes? What woman post is this? Hath she no husband that will take pains to blow a horn before her? Ah, oh, me. It is my mother. How now, good lady? What brings you here to court so hastily? Where is that slave? Thy brother? Where is he that holds in chase mine honor up and down? My brother Robert, old Sir Robert's son, Colbrand the Giant, that same mighty man. Sir Robert's son. I, thou unreverend boy, Sir Robert's son. Why, why scornst thou at Sir Robert? He is Sir Robert's son, and so art thou. James Gurney, wilt thou give us leave for a while? Good leave, good Philip. Philip! Sparrow, Gurney, there's toys abroad. Anon, I'll tell thee more. Madam, I was not old Sir Robert's son. Sir Robert might have eat his part of me upon Good Friday, and never broke his fast. Sir Robert could do well, Mary, to confess. Could he get me? Sir Robert could not do it. We know his handiwork. Therefore, good mother, to whom am I beholding for these limbs? Sir Robert never hoped to make this leg. Hast thou conspired with thy brother too, that for thine own gain shouldst defend mine honour? What means this scorn, thou most untoward knave? Knight, knight, good mother, basilisco-like. What? I am dubbed, I have it on my shoulder. But mother, I am not Sir Robert's son. I have disclaimed Sir Robert and my land. Legitimation, name, and all is gone. Then, good my mother, let me know my father. Some proper man, I hope. Who was it, mother? Hast thou denied thyself or Falconbridge? As faithfully as I deny the devil. King Richard Coeur de Lyon was thy father. By long and <laughs> vehement suit, I was seduced to make room for him in my husband's bed. Oh, heavenly, not my transgression to my charge. Thou art the issue of my dear offence, which was so strongly urged past my defence. Now by this light, were I to get again, madam, I would not wish a better father. Some sins do bear their privilege on earth, and so doth yours. Your fault was not your folly. Needs must you lay your heart at his disposal, subjected tribute to commanding love against whose fury and unmatched force the aweless lion could not wage the fight, nor keep his princely heart from Richard's hand. He that perforce robs lions of their hearts may easily win a woman's. Ay, my mother, with all my heart I thank thee for my father. Who lives and dares but say thou didst not well when I was got? I'll send his soul to hell. Come, lady, I will show thee to my kin, 
and they shall say, When Richard me begot, if thou hadst said him nay, it had been sin. Who says it was, he lies. I say it was not. Act two. Before Angier well met brave Austria. Arthur, that great forerunner of thy blood, Richard, that robbed the lion of his heart and fought the holy wars in Palestine, by this brave duke came early to his grave, and for amends to his posterity, at our importance hither is he come, to spread his colors, boy, in thy behalf, and to rebuke the usurpation of thy unnatural uncle, English John. Embrace him. Love him. Give him welcome, Isa. God shall forgive you Coeur de Leon's death, the rather that you give his offspring life. Shadowing their right under your wings of war, I give you welcome with a powerless hand, but with a heart full of unstained love. Welcome before the gates of Angiers, Duke. A noble boy. Who would not do the right? Upon thy cheek lay I this zealous kiss, as sealed to this indenture of my love. That to my home I will no more return, till Angers and the right thou hast in France, together with that pale, that white-faced shore whose foot spurns back the ocean's roaring tides and coops from other lands her islanders, even till that England, hedged in with the main, that water-walled bulwark, still secure and confident from foreign purposes, even till that utmost corner of the West salute thee for her king, Till then, fair boy, will I not think of home but follow arms. Oh, take his mother's thanks, a widow's thanks, till your strong hand shall help to give him strength to make a more requital to your love. The peace of heaven is theirs that lift their swords in such a just and charitable war. Well, then, to work. Our cannon shall be bent against the brows of this resisting town. Call for our chiefest men of discipline. To call the plots of best advantages. We'll lay before this town our royal bones. Way to the marketplace in Frenchman's blood. But we will make it subject to this boy. Stay for an answer to your embassy. Thus unadvised you stain your swords with blood. My lord Chantillon may from England bring that weight in peace which here we urge in war, and then we shall repent each drop of blood that hot rash haste so indirectly shed. A wonder, lady. Lo, upon thy wish, our messenger Chantillon is arrived. What England says, say briefly. Call the boss for thee. Chatillon, speak. 
Then turn your forces from this paltry siege and stir them up against a mightier task. England, impatient of your just demands, hath put himself in arms. The adverse winds, whose leisure I have stayed, have given him time to land his legions all as soon as I. His marches are expedient to this town. His forces strong, his soldiers confident. With him along is come the mother queen, and At, stirring him to blood and strife. With her, her niece, the Lady Blanche of Spain. With them, a bastard of the king's deceased, and all the unsettled humors of the land. Rash, inconsiderate, fiery voluntaries, with ladies' faces and fierce dragon spleens, have sold their fortunes at their native homes, bearing their birthrights proudly on their backs to make a hazard of new fortunes here. In brief, a braver choice of dauntless spirits than now the English bottoms have wafted over did near float upon the swelling tide to do offense and scathe in Christendom. The interruption of their churlish drums cuts off more circumstance. They are at hand, to parley or to fight. Therefore, prepare. How much unlooked for is this expedition? By how much unexpected, by so much we must awake endeavor for defense. For courage mounted with occasion. Let them be welcome then. We are prepared. Peace be to France. If France and peace permit our just and lineal entrance to our own. If not bleed France and peace ascend to heaven whilst we, God's wrathful agent to correct their proud contempt that beats his peace to heaven. Peace be to England. If that war return from France to England. Thou to live in peace. England we love, and for that England's sake, with burden of our armor, here we sweat. This toil of ours should be a work of thine, but thou from loving England art so far that thou wast under what is lawful king cut off, the sequence of posterity. Outfaced in false state, and done a rape upon the maiden virtue of the crown. Look here upon thy brother Geoffrey's face. These eyes, these brows, were molded out of ease. This little abstract doth contains that large which died in Geoffrey, and the hand of time shall draw this brief into as huge a volume that Geoffrey was thy elder brother born, and this his son. England was Geoffrey's right, and this is Geoffrey's. In the name of God, how comes it then that thou art called a king, when living blood doth in these temples beat, which owes the crowns that thou must arrest? From whom? Hast thou this great commission, France, to draw my answer from thy articles? From that supernal juge, that stirs good thoughts in any breast of strong authority, to look into the blots and stains of right, that juge hath made me guardian to this boy, under whose warrant I impeach thy wrong. And by whose help I mean to chastise it. Alack, 
thou dost us usurp authority. Excuse me, it is to beat usurping down. Who is it thou dost call usurper, France? Let me make answer. Thy usurping son. Out, insolent. Thy bastard shall be king, that thou mayst be a queen and check the world. My bed was ever to thy son as true as thine was to thy husband. And this boy, liker in feature to his father Geoffrey than thou and John in manners, being as like as rain to water, were devil to his dam. My boy, a bastard! By my soul, I think his father never was so true begot. It cannot be, and if thou wert his mother... There's a good mother boy that blots thy father. There's a good granddam boy that would blot thee. Peace! Hear the crier. What the devil art thou? One that will play the devil, sir, with you. And I may catch your hide and you alone. You are the hare of whom the proverb goes, whose valor plucks dead lions by the beard. I'll smoke your skin coat, and I catch you right, sirrah. Look to it. In faith I will. In faith. Oh, well, he did become that lion's robe that did disrobe the lion of that robe. It lies as slightly on the back of him as great Alcides shows upon an ass. But, ass, I'll take that burthen from your back, or lay on that shall make your shoulders crack. What craker is this, saying that death's our ears with this abundance of superfluous breath? Louis, determine what we shall do straight. Women and fools break off your conference. King John, this is the very sum of all. England and Ireland, Anjou, Touraine, Maine, in right of Arthur do I claim of thee. Wilt thou resign them and lay down thy arms? My life as soon. I do defy thee, France. Arthur of Bretagne yield thee to my hand, and out of my dear love I'll give thee more than e'er the cowed hand of France can win. Submit thee, boy. Come to thy grandam, child. Do, child. Go to it, grandam, child. Give grandam kingdom, and it, grandam, will give it a plum, a cherry, and a fig. There's a good grandam. Good, my mother, peace. I would that I were low laid in my grave. I am not worth this coil that's made for me. His mother shames him so. Poor boy, he weeps. Now shame upon you whether she does or no. His grandam's wrongs and not his mother's shames draw those heaven-moving pearls from his poor eyes, which heaven shall take in nature of a fee. I with these crystal beads heaven shall be bribed to do him justice and revenge on you. Thou monstrous slanderer of heaven and earth. Thou monstrous injurer of heaven and earth, call not me slanderer. Thou and thine usurp the dominations, royalties, and rights of this oppressed boy. This is thy eldest son's son, infortunate in nothing but in thee. Thy sins are visited in this poor child. The canon of the law is laid on him, being but the second generation removed from thy sin-conceiving womb. Bedlam, have done. I have but this to say, that he is not only plagued for her sin, but God hath made her sin and her the plague on this removed issue. Plague for her and with her plague, her sin his injury, her injury the beetle to her sin, all punished in the person of this child, and all for her, a plague upon her. Thou unadvised scold, I can produce a will that bars the title of thy son. Aye, who doubts that? A will! 
A wicked will. A woman's will. A cankered grandam's will. Peace, lady. Pause. Or be more temperate. It heal beseems this presence to cry aim to these ill-tuned repetitions. Some trumpet summon her to the wall, these men of Angiers. Let us hear them speak whose title they admit. Our sirs, her Jones. Who is it that hath warned us to the walls? Tis France for England. England for itself. You men of Angers and my loving subjects. You loving men of Angers, our sir subjects. Our trumpet called you to the gentle parley. For our advantage, therefore hear us first. These flags of France that are advanced here before the eye and prospect of your town have hither marched to your endamagement. The cannons have their bowels full of wrath, and ready mounted are they to spit forth their iron indignation against your walls. All preparation for a bloody siege or merciless proceeding by these French confronts your city's eyes, your winking gates, and but for our approach those sleeping stones that as a waste doth girdle you about by the compulsion of their ordinance by this time from their fixed beds of lime had been dishabited, and wide havoc made for bloody power to rush upon your peace. But on the sight of us, your lawful king, who painfully with much expedient march have brought a countercheck before your gates to save unscratched your city's threatened cheeks, behold... The French, amazed, vouchsafe a parle. And now, instead of bullets wrapped in fire to make a shaking fever in your walls, they shoot but come words folded up in smoke to make a faithless error in your ears. Which trust accordingly, kind citizens. And let us in, your king, whose labored spirits, forwearied in this action of swift speed, crave harborage within your city walls. When I have said, make answer to us both. Lo, in this right hand, whose protection is most divinely vowed upon the right of imitors, stands young Plantagenet, son to the elder brother of this man, and king over him and all that he enjoys. For this downtrodden equity, we tread in warlike march these greens before your town, being no further enemy to you than the constraint of hospitable zeal in the relief of this oppressed child religiously provokes. Be pleased then to pay that duty which you truly owe to that owes it, namely this young prince, and then our arms, like to a muzzled bear save in aspect, has all offense sealed up our canons, malice, vainly shall be spent against the invulnerable clouds of heaven, and with a blessed and unvexed retire, with unacted source and helmets all unbruised, we will bear home that lusty blood, again which year we came to spout against your town, and leave your children, wives, and you in peace. But if you fondly pass our proverb offer, tis not the rounder of your old faced walls can hide you from our messengers of war. 
Though all these English and their discipline were harbored in their rude circumference, then tell us, shall your city call us Lord, in that behalf which we have challenged it? Or shall we give the signal to our rage? In brief, we are the King of England's subjects. For him, and in his right, we hold this town. Acknowledge then the king, and let me in. That we cannot. But he that proves the king, to him we prove loyal. Till that time have we rammed up our gates against the world. Doth not the crown of England prove the king? And if not that, I bring you witnesses, twice fifteen thousand hearts of England's breed. Bastards and else. To verify our title with their lives. As many and as well-born bloods as those. Some bastards too. Stand in his face to contradict his claim. Till you compound whose right is worthiest. We, for the worthiest, hold the right from both. Then God forgive the sin of all those souls that are their everlasting residence, before the dew of evening fall shall fleet in dreadful trial of our kingdom's king. Amen. Amen. Mount Chevaliers, to arms! St. George has swinged the dragon, and there since sits on his horseback at mine hostess's door. Teach us some fence. Sirrah, were I at home at your den, sirrah, with your lioness, I would set an ox head to your lion's hide and make a monster of you. Please, no more. Oh, tremble, for you hear the lion roar. Up higher to the plain, where we'll set forth in best appointment all our regiments. Speed then to take advantage of the field. It shall be so. And at the other hill, command the rest to stand. God! And our right. your gates and let young Arsac Duke of Bretagne in, who, by the hand of Francis Day, have made much work for tears in many an English mother whose sons lie scattered on the bleeding ground. Many a widow's husband groveling lies, coldly embracing the discolored earth. And victory, with little loss, doth play upon the dancing banners of the French, or at hand, triumphantly displayed. To enter conquerors, and to proclaim Arthur, King of Britannia, England's king and yours. Rejoice, you men of Algiers, ring your bells. King John, your king and England's, doth approach, commander of this hot, malicious day. Their armors, that marched hence so silver bright, hither return all guilt with Frenchmen's blood. There stuck no plume in any English crest that is removed by a staff of France. Our colors do return in those same hands that did display them when we first marched forth 
and, like a troop of jolly huntsmen, come our lusty English, all with purpled hands, died in the dying slaughter of their foes. Open your gates and give the victors way. Heralds from off our towers, we might behold, from first to last, the onset and retire of both your armies, whose equality by our best eyes cannot be censured. Blood hath brought blood, and blows have answered blows, strength matched with strength, and power confronted power. Both are alike, and both alike we like. One must prove greatest. While they weigh so even, we hold our town for neither, yet for both. France, hast thou yet more blood to cast away? Say, shall the current of our right run on? whose passage vexed with thy impediment shall leave his native channel, and o'erswell with course disturbed even thy confining shores, unless thou let his silver water keep a peace of progress to the ocean. And lo, thou hast not saved one drop of blood in this hot trial, more than we of France, rather lost more. And by this hand I swear... That Swayzers this climate overlooks, before we will lay down our just-born arms, we'll put thee down, against whom these arms we bear, or had a royal number to the dead, gracing the scroll that tells us of this war's loss, with slaughter coupled to the name of kings. Ha, Majesty! How high thy glory towers when the rich blood of kings is set on fire. Oh, now doth death line his dead chaps with steel. The swords of soldiers are his teeth, his fangs. And now he feasts, mousing the flesh of men in undetermined differences of kings. Why stand these royal fronts amazed thus? Cry havoc, kings, back to the stained field, you equal potents, fiery kindled spirits. Then let confusion of one part confirm the other's peace. Till then, blows, blood, and death. Whose party do the townsmen yet admit? Speak, citizens, for England. Who's your king? The king of England, when we know the king. Know him in us, that here hold up his right. In us that are our own great deputy, and bear possession of our presence here, lord of our presence, Angers, and of you. A greater power than we denies all this. Until it be undoubted, we do lock our former scruple in our strong barred gates. King of our fears until our fears resolved be by some certain king purged and deposed. By heaven, these scroils of Angiers flout you kings, and stand securely on their battlements as in a theatre, whence they gape and point at your industrious scenes and acts of death. 
Your royal presences be ruled by me. Do like the mutinies of Jerusalem. Be friends a while, and both can jointly bend your sharpest deeds of malice on this town. By east and west, let France and England mount their battering cannon charge to the mouths till their soul-fearing clamors have brawled down the flinty ribs of this contemptuous city. I will play incessantly upon these jades, even till unfenced desolation leave them as naked as the vulgar air. That done, dissever your united strengths and part your mingled colors once again. Turn face to face and bloody point to point, then, in a moment, Fortune shall call forth out of one side her happy minion, to whom in favor she shall give the day and kiss him with a glorious victory. How like you, this wild council, mighty states? Smacks it not something of the policy? Now, by the sky that hangs above our heads, I like it well. France, shall we knit our powers and lay this Anges even to the ground? Then, after, fight who shall be king of it. And if thou hast the mettle of a king, being wronged as we are by this peevish town, turn thou the mouth of thy artillery as we will ours against these saucy walls. And when that we have dashed them to the ground, why then defy each other, and pell-mell make work upon yourselves, for heaven or hell? Let it be so. Say, where will you assault? We from the west will send destruction into this city's bosom. I from the north. Our thunder from the south shall rain their drift of bullets on this town. Our prudent discipline. From north to south, Austria and France shoot in each other's mouth. I'll stir them to it. Come, away. Away. Hear us, great kings, vouchsafe a while to stay, and I shall show you peace and fair-faced league. Win you this city without uh, stroke or, or wound. Rescue those breathing lives to die in beds that here come sacrifices for the field. Persever not, but, but hear me, mighty kings. Speak on with favor. We are bent to hear. <clears throat> um, uh, uh, that daughter there of Spain, the Lady Blanche... <laughs> His, his niece to England. Look upon the years of, of, of Louis the Dauphin and that lovely maid. If lusty love shall go in quest of beauty, where should he find it fairer than in Blanche? If zealous love shall go in search of virtue, where would he find it purer than in Blanche? If love ambitious sought a match of birth, whose veins bound richer blood than Lady Blanche? Such as she is in beauty and Virtue, birth, is the young Dauphin every way complete? If not complete of, say he is, is not she, and, and, and she again wants nothing uh, to name want. If, if want it be not, that she is not, oh, she is not he. Uh, he. He is half part of a blessed man, left to be finished by such as she. And, and she, a fair, divided excellence, whose fullness of perfection lies in him. Two such silver currents when they join do glorify the banks that bound them in, and two such shores to two such streams made to one, two such controlling bounds shall you be, kings, to these two princes, if you marry them. This union shall do more than battery can to our fast-closed gates, for at this match with 
swifter spleen than powder can enforce, the mouth of passage shall we fling wide open and give you entrance. But without this match, the sea enraged is not half so deaf, lions more confident, mountains and rocks more free from motion. No, not death himself, in moral fury, half so preemptory as we to keep this city. Here's a stay that shakes the rotten carcass of old death out of his rags. Here's a large mouth indeed that spits forth death and mountains, rocks and seas, talks as familiarly of roaring lions as maids of thirteen do of puppy dogs. What can the near begat this lusty blood? He speaks plain cannon fire and smoke and bounce. He gives the bastinado with his tongue. Our ears are cudgeled. Not a word of his, but Buffett's better than a fist of France. Zounds, I was never so bethumped with words since I first called my brother's father dad. Son, list to the conjunction. Make this match. Give with our niece a dowry large enough. For, by this knot thou shalt so surely tie thy now unsured assurance to the crown that yon green boy shall have no son to ripe the bloom that promiseth a mighty fruit. I see a yielding in the looks of France. Mark how they whisper. Urge them, while their souls are capable of this ambition, lest zeal, now melted by the windy breath of soft petitions, pity and remorse, cool and congeal again to what it was. Why answer not the double majesties this friendly treaty of our threatened town? Speaking long first, that us being forward first to speak unto this city, what say you? If the dwarfin there, thy princely son, can in this book of beauty read I love, her dowry shall weigh equal with the queen, for Anjou and fair Torrain, Maine, Hotias, and all that we upon this side the sea except this city now by us besieged, find liable to our crown and dignity, shall gild her bridal bed, and make her rich in titles, honors, and promotions, as she in beauty, education, blood, holds hand with any princess of the world. What sayst thou, boy? Look in the lady's face. I do, my lord. And in her eye I find a wonder. Or a wondrous miracle, the shadow of myself formed in her eye, which being but the shadow of your son, becomes a son, and makes your son a shadow. I do protest I never loved myself, till now in fixed I beheld myself, drawn in the flattering table of her eye. Blanche, woman. <laughs> Drawn in the flattering table of her eye, hanged in the frowning wrinkle of her brow, and quartered in her heart, he doth despise himself love's traitor. This is pity now, that hanged and drawn and quartered there should be in such a love so vile allowed as he. My uncle's will in this respect is mine. If he see aught in you that makes him like, that anything he sees which moves his liking, I can with ease translate it to my will. Or if you will, to speak more properly, I will enforce it easily to my love. Further, I will not flatter you, my lord, 
that all I see in you is worthy love than this, that nothing do I see in you, though churlish thoughts themselves should be your judge, that I can find should merit any hate. What say these young ones? What say you, my niece? That she is bound in honor still to do what you in wisdom still vouchsafe to say. Speak then, Prince Dolphin. Can you love this lady? Nay, ask me if I can refrain from love, for I do love her most unfeignedly. Then do I give Orkesson, Torain, Maine, Petius, and Anjou these five provinces with her to thee, and this addition more, full thirty thousand marks of English coin. Philippe of France, if thou be pleased with all, command thy son and daughter to join hands. It likes us well, young princes. Close your eyes. And your lips too, for I am well assured that I did so when I was first assured. Now, citizens of Angiers, open your gates. Let in that amity which you have made. For at St. Mary's Chapel, presently the rites of marriage shall be solemnized. Is not the Lady Constance in this troop? I know she is not. For this much made up her presence would have interrupted much. Where is she and her son? Tell me, who knows? She is sad and passionate at your highness's tent. And by my faith, this league that we have made will give her sadness very little cure. Brother of England, how may we content this widow lady? In her right we came, which we, God knows, have turned another way to our own vantage. We will heal up all, for we'll create young Arthur, Duke of Britannia and Earl of Richmond, and this rich fair town we make him Lord of. Call the Lady Constance, some speedy messenger bid her repair to our solemnity. I trust we shall, if not fill up the measure of her will, yet in some measure satisfy her, so that we shall stop her exclamation. Go we as well as haste will suffer us to this unlooked-for, unprepared pomp. Mad world, mad kings, mad composition. John, to stop Arthur's title in the whole, hath willingly departed with a part, and France, whose armor conscience buckled on, whom zeal and charity brought to the field as God's own soldier, rounded in the ear with that same purpose changer, that sly devil, that broker that still breaks the paid of faith, that daily break vow, he that wins of all, of kings, of beggars, old men, young men, maids who, having no external thing to lose but the word maid, it cheats the poor maid out of that, that smooth-faced gentleman, tickling commodity. Commodity! The bias of the world, the world who of itself is paced well, 
made to run even upon even ground, till this advantage, this vile drawing bias, this sway of motion, this commodity, makes it take heed from all indifferency, from all direction, purpose, course, intent. And this same bias, this commodity, this bard, this broker, this all-changing word, clapped on the outward eye of fickle France, hath drawn him from his own determined aid, from a resolved and honorable war, to a most base and vile concluded peace. And why rail I on this commodity? But for because he hath not wooed me yet! Not that I have the power to clutch my hand when his fair angels would salute my palm, but for my hand as unattempted yet, like a poor beggar, raileth on the lich. Well, whilst I am a beggar, I will rail and say there is no sin but to be rich. And, being rich, my virtue then shall be to say there is no vice but beggary. Since kings break faith upon commodity, gain be my lord, for I will worship thee. Act 3 Gone to be married? Gone to swear a peace? False blood to false blood joined, gone to be friends! Ugh. Shall Louis have Blanche and Blanche those provinces? It is not so. Now hast misspoke, misheard. Be well advised, tell o'er thy tale again. It cannot be. Thou dost but say tis so. I trust I may not trust thee, for thy word is but the vain breath of a common man. Believe me, I do not believe thee, man. I have a king's oath to the contrary. Thou shalt be punished for thus frightening me, for I am sick and capable of fears. Oppressed with wrongs, and therefore full of fears. A widow, husbandless, subject to fears. A woman, naturally born to fears. And though thou now confess thou didst but jest with my vexed spirits, I cannot take a truce, but they will quake and tremble all this day. What dost thou mean by shaking of thy head? Why dost thou look so sadly on my son? What means that hand upon thy breast of thine? Why holds thine eye that lamentable room like a proud river peering o'er his bounds? Be these sad signs confirmers of thy words? Then speak again, not all thy former tale, but this one word, whether thy tale be true. As true as I believe you think them faults that give you cause to prove me saying true. Oh, if thou teach me to believe this sorrow, teach thou this sorrow how to make me die. And let belief and life encounter so, as doth the fury of two desperate men, which in the very meeting fall and die. Louis, Mary, Blanche! Oh, boy, then where art thou? France, friend with England, what becomes of me? Fellow, be gone, I cannot brook thy sight. This news hath made thee a most ugly man. What harm have I, good lady, done, but spoke the harm that is by others done? 
which harm within itself so heinous is, as it makes harmful all that speak of it. I do beseech you, madam, be content. If thou that bids me be content wert grim, ugly and slanderous to thy mother's womb, full of unpleasing blots and sightless stains, lame, foolish, crooked, swart, prodigious, patched with foul moles and eye-offending marks, I would not care. I then would be content, for then I should not love thee, no, nor thou become thy great birth, nor deserve a crown. But thou art fair, and at thy birth, dear boy, nature and fortune joined to make thee great. Of nature's gifts thou mayest with lilies boast, and with the half-blown rose. But fortune, oh, she is corrupted, changed, and won from thee. She adulterates hourly with thine uncle John, and with her golden hand hath plucked on France to tread down fair respect of sovereignty, and made his majesty the bawd to theirs. France is a bawd to fortune and King John. That strumpet fortune, that usurping John! Tell me, thou fellow, is not France forsworn? Envenom him with words, or get thee gone and leave those woes alone, which I alone am bound to underbear. Pardon me, madam, I may not go without you to the king's. Thou mayest. Thou shalt. I will not go with thee. I will instruct my sorrows to be proud, for grief is proud and makes his owners stoop. To me and to the state of my great grief, let kings assemble, for my grief so great that no supporter but the huge firm earth can hold it up. Here I and sorrows sit. Here is my throne. Bid kings come bow to it. Tis true, fair daughter, and this blessed day ever in France shall be kept festival. To solemnize this day, the glorious sun stays in his course and plays the alchemist. Turning with splendor of his precious eyes, a meager cloudy earth to glittering gold, the yearly course that brings this day about shall never see it but a holy day. A wicked day, and not a holy day. What hath this day deserved? What hath it done that it in golden letters should be set among the high tides in the calendar? Nay, rather turn this day out of the week, this day of shame, oppression, perjury. Or if it must stand still, let wives with child pray that their burdens may not fall this day, lest that their hopes prodigiously be crossed. But on this day, let seamen fear no wreck, no bargains break that are not this day made. This day, all things begun come to ill end. Yea, faith itself to hollow falsehood change. By heaven, lady, you shall have no cause to curse the fair proceedings of this day. Have I not pawned to you, my majesty? You have beguiled me with a counterfeit, resembling majesty which being touched and tried, proves valueless. You are forsworn, forsworn. You came in arms to spill mine enemy's blood, but now in arms, you strengthen it with yours. The grappling vigor and rough 
frown of war is cold in amity and painted peace, and our oppression hath made up this league. Arm, arm, you heavens, against these perjured kings! A widow cries, be husband to me, heavens! Let not the hours of this ungodly day wear out the day in peace, but ere sunset set armed discord twixt these perjured kings. Hear me, oh, hear me! Lady Constance, peace. War, war, no peace. Peace is to me a war, O Lymages. O Austria, thou dost shame that bloody spoil. Thou slave, thou wretch, thou coward. Thou little valiant, great in villainy, thou ever strong upon the stronger side. Thou fortune's champion that dost never fight, but when her humorous ladyship is by to teach thee safety. Thou art perjured too, and soothest up greatness. What a fool art thou, a ramping fool, to brag and stamp and swear upon my party. Thou cold-blooded slave, hast thou not spoke like thunder on my side, been sworn my soldier, bidding me depend upon thy stars, thy fortune, and thy strength? And dost thou now fall over to my fours? Thou wear a lion's hide, doff it for shame, and hang a calfskin on those recreant limbs. Oh, that a man should speak those words to me. And hang a calfskin on those recreant limbs. Thou darest not say so, villain, for thy life. And hang a calf's skin on those recreant limbs. We like not this. Thou dost forget thyself. Here comes the holy legate of the Pope. Hail, you appointed deputies of heaven. To thee, King John, my holy errand is. I, Pandolf of fair Milan Cardinal, and from Pope Innocent the Legate here, do in his name religiously demand why thou, against the church, our holy mother, so willfully dost spurn, and force perforce to keep Stephen Langton, chosen Archbishop of Canterbury, from that holy see. This, in our foresaid holy father's name, Pope Innocent, I do demand of thee. What earthy name to interrogatories can task the free breath of a sacred king? Thou canst not, Cardinal, devise a name so slight, unworthy, and ridiculous to charge me to an answer as the Pope. Tell him this tale, and from the mouth of England, and thus much more, that no Italian priest shall tithe or toll in our dominions, but as we, under heaven, our supreme head, so under him, that great supremacy where we do reign, we will alone uphold without the assistance of our mortal hand. So tell the Pope all reverence set apart to him and his usurped authority. Brother of England, you blaspheme in this. Though you and all the kings of Christendom are led so grossly by this meddling priest, dreading the curse that money may buy out, and by the merit of vile gold, Dras does purchase corrupted pardon of a man who in that sale sells pardon from himself. Though you and all the rest so grossly led this juggling witchcraft that revenue cherish, yet I alone... Alone do me oppose against the Pope and count his friends my foes. Then by the lawful power that I have, thou shalt stand cursed and excommunicate. And blessed shall he be that doth revolt from his allegiance to an heretic. And meritorious shall that hand be called, canonized and worshipped as a saint that takes away by any secret course thy hateful life. O lawful let it be that I have room with Rome to curse a while. Good father cardinal, cry thou amen to my keen curses. For without my wrong, there is no tongue hath power to curse him right. There's law and warrant, lady, for my curse. And for mine, too. 
When law can do no right, let it be lawful that law bar no wrong. Law cannot give my child his kingdom here, for he that holds his kingdom holds the law. Therefore, since law itself is perfect wrong, how can the law forbid my tongue to curse? Philip of France, on peril of a curse, let go the hand of that arch-heretic and raise the power of France upon his head, unless he do submit himself to Rome. Looks thou pale, France. Do not let go thy hand. Look to that devil, lest that France repent and by disjoining hands, hell lose a soul. King Philip, listen to the cardinal. And hang a calfskin on his recreant limbs. Well, ruffian, I must pocket up these wrongs, because... Your britches best may carry them. Philip, what sayest thou to the cardinal? What should he say but as the cardinal? Bethink you, father, for the difference is purchase of a heavy curse from Rome or the light loss of England for a friend. For God's easier. That's the curse of Rome. Oh, Louis, stand fast. The devil tempts thee here in likeness of a new, untrimmed bride. The Lady Constance speaks not from her faith, but from her need. Oh, if thou grant my need, which only lives but by the death of faith, that need must needs infer this principle, that faith would live again by death of need. Oh, then tread down my need, and faith mounts up. Keep my need up, and faith is trodden down. The king is moved, and answers not to this. Oh, be removed from him, and answer well. Do so, King Philip, hang no more in doubt. Hang nothing but a calf's skin, most sweet lout. I am perplexed, and know not what to say. What canst thou say but will perplex thee more if thou stand excommunicate and cursed? Good reverend father, make my person yours, and tell me how you would bestow yourself. This royal land and mine are newly knit, and the conjunction of our inward souls married in league, coupled and linked together with all religious strength of sacred vows, the latest breath that gave this sound of words was deep-sworn faith, peace, amity, true love between our kingdoms and our royal selves, and even before this truce, but knew before, no longer than we well could wash our hands to clap this royal bargain up of peace. Heaven knows they were besmeared and overstained with slaughter's pencil, where revenge did paint the fearful difference of incensed kings, and shall these hands, so lately purged of blood, so newly joined in love, so strong in both, Unyoke this seizure and this kind of regret. Play fast and loose with fate. So jest with heaven. Make such unconstant children of ourselves as now again to snatch our palm from palm. Unswear faith sworn. And on the marriage bed of smiling peace to marshy bloody host. And make a riot on the gentle brow of true sincerity. O oh, holy sir, my reverend father, let it not be so. Out of your grace, device ordain, impose some gentle order, and then we shall be blessed to do your pleasure and continue friends. All form is formless, order orderless, save what is opposite to England's love. Therefore, to arms. Be champion of our church, or let the church, our mother, breathe her curse, a mother's curse on her revolting son. France, 
Thou mayst hold a serpent by the tongue, a chafed lion by the mortal paw, a fasting tiger safer by the tooth than keep in peace that hand which thou dost hold. I may disjoin my hand, but not my fate. So makest thou faith an enemy to faith? And like a civil war, setst oath to oath, thy tongue against thy tongue? Oh, let thy vow first made to heaven, first be to heaven, perform, that is, to be the champion of our church. What, since thou swarest, is sworn against thyself, and may not be performed by thyself? For that which thou hast sworn to do amiss is not amiss when it is truly done. And being not done, where doing tends to ill, the truth is then most done not doing it. The better act of purpose mistook is to mistake again, though indirect, yet indirection thereby grows direct. And falsehood, falsehood cures. As fire cools fire within the scorched veins of one new burned, it is religion that doth make vows kept. But thou hast sworn against religion, by what thou swearest against the thing thou swearest, and makest an oath the surety for thy truth against an oath. The truth thou art unsure to swear, swears only not to be forsworn, else what a mockery should it be to swear. But thou dost swear only to be forsworn, and most forsworn to keep what thou dost swear. Therefore, thy later vows against thy first is in thyself rebellion to thyself, and better conquest never canst thou make than arm thy constant and thy nobler parts against these giddy loose suggestions, upon which better part our prayers come in if thou vouchsafe them. But if not, then know the peril of our curses light on thee so heavy, as thou shalt not shake them off, but in despair die under their black weight. Rebellion! Flat rebellion! Wilt not be? Will not a calf's skin stop that mouth of thine? Father? To arms. Upon thy wedding day? Against the blood that thou hast married? What, shall our feast be kept with slaughtered men? Shall braying trumpets and loud churlish drums, clamors of hell, be measures to our pomp? Oh, husband, hear me. I alack how new husband is in my mouth, even for that name which till this time my tongue did ne'er pronounce upon my knee, I beg you. Go not to arms against mine uncle. Oh, upon my knee, made hard with kneeling, I do pray to thee, thou virtuous Dauphin, alter not the doom forethought by heaven. Now shall I see thy love. What motive may be stronger with thee than the name of wife? That which upholdeth him that thee upholds, his honor. Oh, thine honor, Louis, thine honor. I muse your majesty doth seem so cold when such profound respects do pull you on? I will denounce a curse upon his head. Thou shalt not need. In loan, I will fall from thee. Oh, fair return of banished majesty. Oh, foul revolt of French inconstancy. France, thou shalt rue this hour, within this hour. Old time the clock-setter, that bald sexton time. Is it as he will? Well then, France shall rue. The sun's o'ercast with blood. Fair day, adieu. Which is the side that I must go withal? I am with both. Each army hath a hand. And in their rage, I having hold of both, they swirl asunder and dismember me. Husband, I cannot pray that thou mayest win. Uncle. I needs must pray that thou mayst lose. Father, I may not wish the fortune thine. Grandam, I will not wish thy fortunes thrive. Whoever wins, on that side shall I lose a short loss before the match be played. Lady, with me, with me thy fortune lies. There where my fortune lives. 
There my life dies. Cousin, go draw our puissance together. France, I am burned up with inflaming wrath, a rage whose heat hath this condition, that nothing can allay nothing but blood, the blood and dearest valued blood of France. Thy rage shall burn thee up, and thou shalt turn to ashes. Ere our blood shall quench that fire, look to thyself, thou art in jeopardy. No more than he that threats. True arms, let's hide! Now by my life this day grows wondrous hot. Some airy devil hovers in the sky and pours down mischief. Ha! <laughs> Austria's head lie there while Philip breathes. <clears throat> you would keep this boy. Philip, make up. My mother is assailed in our tent. And ten, I fear. My lord, I rescued her. Her highness is in safety, fear you not. But on, my liege, for very little pains will bring this labor to an happy end. So shall it be. Your grace shall stay behind so strongly guarded. Cousin, look not sad. Thy grandam loves thee, and thy uncle will as dear be to thee as thy father was. Oh, this will make my mother die with grief. Cousin, away for England. Haste before, and ere our coming, see thou shake the bags of hoarding abbots. Imprisoned angels set at liberty. The fat ribs of peace must by the hungry now be fed upon. Use our commission in his utmost force. Bell, book, and candle shall not drive me back when gold and silver begs me to come on. I leave, your highness. Grandam, I will pray, if ever I remember to be holy, for your fair safety. So I kiss your hand. Farewell, gentle cousin. Cuz, farewell. Come hither, little kinsman. Hark, a word. Come hither, Hubert. Oh, my gentle Hubert, we owe thee much. Within this wall of flesh, there is a soul counts thee her creditor, and with advantage means to pay thy love. And, my good friend, thy voluntary oath lives in this bosom dearly cherished. Give me thy hand. I had a thing to say, but I will fit it with some better time. By heaven, Hubert... I am almost ashamed to say what good respect I have of thee. I am much bounden to your majesty. Good friend, thou hast no cause to say so yet, but thou shalt have. And creep time ne'er so slow, yet it shall come from me to do thee good. I had a thing to say, but let it go. The sun is in the heaven, and the proud day attended with the pleasures of the world is all too wanton and too full of gauds to give me audience. If the midnight bell did, with his iron tongue and brazen mouth, sound on into the drowsier race of night, if this same were a churchyard where we stand, thou possessed with a thousand wrongs, 
Or if that surly spirit melancholy had baked thy blood and made it heavy thick, which else runs tickling up and down the veins, making that idiot laughter keep men's eyes and strain their cheeks to idle merriment, a passion hateful to my purposes, or if that thou couldst see me without eyes, hear me without thine ears, and make reply without a tongue, using conceit alone without eyes, ears, and harmful sound of words, then in despite of brooded watchful day I would into thy bosom pour my thoughts, but, ah, I will not. Yet I love thee well, and by my troth I think thou lovest me well. So well that what you bid me undertake Though that my death were adjunct to my act, by heaven I would do it. Do not I know thou wouldst? Good Hubert, 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 throw thine eye on yon young boy. I'll tell you what, my friend, he is a very serpent in my way, and wheresoe'er this foot of mine doth tread, he lies before me. Dost thou understand me? Thou art his keeper. And I'll keep him, so that he shall not offend your majesty. Death. My my lord? A grave. He... he shall not live. Enough. I could be merry now. Hubert, I love thee. Well, I'll not say what I intend for thee. Remember. Madam, fare you well. I'll send those powers o'er to your majesty. My blessing go with thee. For England, cousin, go. Hubert shall be your man, attend on you with all true duty. On toward Calais, ho! So, by a roaring tempest on the flood, a whole armado of convicted sail is scattered and disjoined from fellowship. Courage and comfort, all shall yet go well. What can go well, when we have one so ill? Are we not beaten? Is not ours lost? Our certain prisoner, devours dear friend slain, and bloodying lound into England gone. Our bearing interruption. Spite of France. What he has won, that has he fortified. So hot a speed with such advice disposed, such temperate order in so fierce a cause, does want example. <laughs> Who has read or heard of any kindred action like to this? Well, could I bear that England had this praise, so we could find some pattern of our shame? Look who comes here, a grave unto a soul, holding the eternal spirit against her will in the vile prison of afflicted breath. I prithee, lady, go away with me. Lo, now I see the issue of your peace. Passions, good lady, comfort, gentle Constance. No, I defy all counsel, all redress, but that which ends all counsel, true redress, death, death, amiable, lovely death. Thou odiferous stench, sound rottenness, 
Arise forth from the couch of lasting night, thou hate and terror to prosperity, and I will kiss thy detestable bones, and put my eyeballs in thy vaulty brows, and wring these fingers with thy household worms, and stop this gap of breath with fulsome dust, and be a carrion monster like thyself. Come, grin on me, and I will think thou smilest, and bust thee as thy wife. Misery's love, oh, come to me. Oh, fair affliction, peace. <sighs> no, no, I will not, having breath to cry. Oh, that my tongue were in the thunder's mouth. Then with a passion would I shake the world and rouse from sleep that fell anatomy which cannot hear a lady's feeble voice which scorns a modern invocation. Lady, you utter madness and not sorrow. Thou art not holy to belie me so. I am not mad. This hair I wear is mine. My name is Constance. I was Geoffrey's wife. Young Arthur is my son. And he is lost. I am not mad. I would to heaven I were, for then tis like I should forget myself. For if I could, what grief should I forget? Preach some philosophy to make me mad, and thou shalt be canonized, Cardinal. For being not mad, but sensible of grief, my reasonable part produces reason how I may be delivered of these woes, and teaches me to kill or hang myself. If I were mad, I should forget my son, or madly think a babe of clouds were he. I am not mad. Too well, too well, I feel the different plague of each calamity. Binds up those tresses. Oh, what love I note in the fair multitude of those her hairs, where but by chance a silver drop hath fallen. Even to that drop ten thousand wiry friends do glue themselves in sociable grief. Like true inseparable faithful loves, sneaking together in calamity. To England, if you will. Bind up your hairs. Yes, that I will. And wherefore will I do it? I tore them from their bonds and cried aloud, Oh, that these hands could so redeem my son as they have given these hairs their liberty. But now I envy at their liberty and will again commit them to their bonds because my poor child is a prisoner. And Father Cardinal, I have heard you say that we shall see and know our friends in heaven. If that be true, I shall see my boy again. For since the birth of Cain, the first male child, to him that did but yesterday suspire, there was not such a gracious creature born. But now will canker sorrow eat my bud, chase the native beauty from his cheek, and he will look as hollow as a ghost, as dim and meager as an ague's fit. And so he'll die, and rising so again, when I shall meet him in the court of heaven, I shall not know him. Therefore never, never, never must I hold my pretty Arthur more. You hold too heinous a respect of grief. He talks to me that never had a son. You are as fond of grief as of your child. 
Grief fills up the room of my absent child, lies in his bed, walks up and down with me, puts on his pretty looks, repeats his words, remembers me of all his gracious parts, stuffs out his vacant garment with his form. Then have I reason to be fond of grief. Fare you well. Had you such a loss as I, I could give better comfort than you do. I will not keep this form upon my head when there is such disorder in my wit. Oh, Lord, my boy, my Arthur, my fair son, my life, my joy, my food, my all the world, my widow comfort, and my sorrow's cure. I fear some outrage, and I'll follow her. There's nothing in this world can make me joy. Life is as tedious as a twice-told tale, vexing the dull ear of a drowsy man, and bitter shame hath spoiled the sweet world's taste that it yields naught but shame and bitterness. Before the curing of a strong disease, even in the instant of repair and health, the fit is strongest. Evils that take leave on their departure most of all show evil. What have you lost by losing this day? All days of glory, joy and happiness. If you had one, it's certainly you had. No, no, when fortune means to men most good, she looks upon them with a threatening eye. Tis strange to think how much King John hath lost in this, which he accounts so clearly of one. Are not you grieved that Arthur is his prisoner? As heartily as he is glad he has him. Your mind is all as youthful as your blood. Now, hear me speak with a prophetic spirit. For even the breath of what I mean to speak shall blow each dust, each straw, each little rub out of the path, which shall directly lead thy foot to England's throne, and therefore mark. John hath seized Arthur, and it cannot be that, while warm life plays in that infant's veins, the misplaced John should entertain an wow, one minute, nay, one quiet breath of rest. A scepter snatched with an unruly hand must be as boisterously maintained as gained, and he that stands upon a slippery place makes nice of no vile hold to say him up. That John may stand, then Arthur needs must fall. So be it, for it cannot be but so. But what shall I gain by young Arthur's fall? You, in the right of Lady Blanche, your wife, may then make all the claim that Arthur did. And lose it. Life and all, as Asa did. How green you are and fresh in this old world. John lays you plots. The times conspire with you, for he that steeps his safety in true blood shall find but bloody safety in untrue. This act, so evilly born, shall cool the hearts of all his people and freeze up their zeal, that none so small advantage shall step forth to check his reign. But they will cherish it. No natural exhalation in the sky, no scope of nature, no distempered day, no common wind, no custom event, but they will pluck away his natural cause and call them meteors, prodigies and signs, abortives, presages and tongues of heaven, plainly denouncing vengeance upon John. Maybe he will not touch young Arthur's life, but hold himself safe in his prisonment. Oh, sir, when he shall hear of your approach, if that young Arthur be not gone already, even at that news he dies. And then the hearts of all his people shall revolt from him, and kiss the lips of an unacquainted change, and pick strong matter of revolt and wrath out of bloody fingers' ends of John. Methinks I see this hurly all on foot, 
and what better matter breeds for you than I have named. The bastard Falconbridge is now in England ransacking the church, offending charity. If but a dozen French were there in arms, they would be as cold to train ten thousand English to their side, or as a little snow tumbled about anon becomes a mountain. O oh, noble Dauphin, go with me to the king. Tis wonderful what may be wrought out of their discontent, now that their souls are topful of offence. For England go, I will wet on the king. Aha. Uh -huh. Strong reasons make strong actions. <laughs> Let us go. If you say I, the king will not say no. Act 5 Thus have I yielded up into your hand the circle of my glory. Take again from this my hand, as holding of the Pope your sovereign greatness and authority. Now keep your holy word. Go, meet the French, and from his holiness use all your power to stop their marches, for we are inflamed. Our discontented counties do revolt, our people quarrel with obedience, swearing allegiance and the love of soul to stranger blood to foreign royalty. This inundation of mistempered humor rests by you only to be qualified. Then pause not, for the present time so sick the present medicine must be ministered, or overthrowing curable ensues. It was my breath that blew this tempest up, upon your stubborn usage of the Pope. But since you are a gentle convertite, my tongue shall hush again this storm of war, and make fair weather in your blustering land. On this Ascension Day, remember well, upon your oath of service to the Pope go I to make the French lay down their arms. Is this Ascension Day? Did not the Prophet say that before Ascension Day at noon my crown I should give off? Even so, I have. I did suppose it should be on constraint, but heaven be thanked, it is but voluntary. All Kent hath yielded, nothing there holds out but Dover Castle. London hath received like a kind host the Dauphin and his powers. Your nobles will not hear you, but have gone to offer service to your enemy, and wild amazement hurries up and down the little number of your doubtful friends. Would not my lords return to me again after they heard young Arthur was alive? They found him dead and cast into the streets, an empty casket, where the jewel of life by some damned hand was robbed and taken away. That villain Hubert told me he did live! So on my soul he did, for all you knew. But wherefore do you droop? Why look you sad? Be great in act as you've been in thought. Let not the world see fear and sad distrust govern the motion of a kingly eye. Be stirring as the time. Be fire with fire. Threaten the threatener and outface the brow of bragging horror. So shall inferior eyes that borrow their behaviors from the great Grow great by your example, and put on the dauntless spirit of resolution. Away, and glister like the god of war when he intendeth to become the field. Show boldness and aspire in confidence. What, shall they seek the lion in his den and fright him there, and make him tremble there? Oh, let it not be said. Forage, and run to meet displeasure farther from the doors, and grapple with him ere he comes so nigh. The legate of the Pope hath been with me, and I have made a happy peace with him, and he hath promised to dismiss the powers led by the Dauphin. Oh, inglorious league! 
Shall we, upon the footing of our land, send fair play orders and make compromise, insinuation, parley, and base truce to arms invasive? Shall a beardless boy, a cockered silken wanton, brave our fields and flesh his spirit in a warlike soil, mocking the air with colors idly spread, and find no check? Let us, my liege, to arms. Perchance the cardinal cannot make your peace. Or if he do, let it at least be said they saw we had a purpose of defense. Have thou the ordering of this present time. Away then, with good courage. Yet I know, our party may well meet a prouder foe. My Lord Mellon, let this be copied out and keep it safe for our remembrance. Return the precedent to these lords again, that having our fair order written down, both they and we, perusing all these notes, may know wherefore we took the sacrament, and keep our faiths firm and inviolable. Upon our sides it never shall be broken. And noble dolphin, albeit we swear a voluntary zeal, and an unurged faith to your proceedings, yet believe me, Prince, I am not glad that such a sore of time should seek a plaster by contempted revolt, and heal the inveterate canker of one wound by making many. Oh, it grieves my soul that I must draw this medal from my side to be a widow-maker. Oh, and there where honorable rescue and defense cries out upon the name of Salisbury. But such is the infection of the time, that for the health and physic of our right, we cannot deal but with the very hand of stern injustice and confused wrong. And is not pity, O oh my grieved friends, that we, the sons and daughters of this isle, were born to see so sad an hour as this, wherein we step after a stranger march upon her gentle bosom, and fill up her enemies' ranks. I must withdraw and weep upon the spot of this enforced cause, to grace the gentry of a land remote, and follow unacquainted colors here. What here? O nation that thou couldst remove, that Neptune's arms who clippeth thee about could bear thee from the knowledge of thyself and grapple thee into a pagan shore, where these two Christian armies might combine the blood of malice in a vein of league, and not to spend it so unneighborly. A noble temper dost thou show in this, and great affections wrestling in thy bosom dost make an earthquake of nobility. Oh, what a noble combat hast thou fought between compulsion and a brave respect. Let me wipe off this honorable dew that silverly does progress on thy cheeks. My heart has melted at a lady's tears being an ordinary inundation. But this effusion of such manly drops, this shower blown up by tempest of the soul startles mine eyes and makes me more amazed than had I seen the vaulty top of heaven figured quite o'er with burning meteors. Lift up thy brow, renowned Salisbury, and with a great heart heave away the storm. Commend these waters to those baby eyes that never saw the giant world enraged, nor met with fortune other than at feasts, full of warm blood, of mirth, of gossiping. Come, come, for thou shalt thrust thy hand as deep into the purse of rich prosperity as Louis himself. 
So, nobles, shall you all, that knit your sinews to the strength of mine, and even there, methinks an angel spake. Look, where the holy legate comes apace to give us warrant from the hand of heaven, and on our actions set the name of right with holy breath. Hail, noble prince of France. The next is this. King John hath reconciled himself to Rome. His spirit is come in, that so stood out against the holy church, the great metropolis and the sea of Rome. Therefore thy threatening colours now wind up, and tame the savage spirit of wild war, that like a line fostered up at hand it may lie gently at the foot of peace, and be no further harmful than in show. Your grace shall pardon me. I will not back. I am too high-born to be propertied, to be a secondary at control, or useful serving man and instrument to any sovereign state throughout the world. Your breath first kindled the dead coal of wars between this chastised kingdom and myself, and brought in matters that should feed this fire. And now, tis far too huge to be blown out with that same weak wind which enkindled it. You taught me how to know the face of right, acquainted me with interest to this land, yea, thrust this enterprise into my heart. And come ye now to tell me Jean hath made his peace with Rome? What is that peace to me? I, by the honor of my marriage bed, after young Asa claimed this land for mine. And now it is half conquered, must I back because John hath made his peace with Rome? Am I Rome's slave? What penny hath Rome borne? What men provided? What munitions sent to underprop this action? It's not I that undergo this charge? Who else but I, and such as to my claim are liable, sweat in this business and maintain this war? Have I not heard these islanders shout out, Vive le roi, as I have banked their towns? Have I not here the best cards for the game to win this easy match played for a crown? And shall I now give o'er the yielded set? No, no on my soul. It never shall be said. You look but on the outside of this work. Outside or inside, I will not return till my attempt so much be glorified as to my ample hope was promised before I drew this gallant head of war and culled these fiery spirits from the world to outlook conquest and to win renown even in the jaws of danger and of death. What lusty trumpet dost doth summon us? According to the fair play of the world, let me have audience. I am sent to speak. My holy lord of Milan, from the king I come, to learn how you have dealt for him. And as you answer, I do know the scope and warrant limited unto my tongue. The Dauphin is too willful opposite, and will not temporize with my entreaties. He flatly says he'll not lay down his arms. By all the blood that ever fury breathed, the youth says well. Now hear our English king, for thus his royalty doth speak in me. He is prepared, and reason too he should. This apish and unmannerly approach, this unharnessed mask and unadvised revel, this unhaired sauciness and boyish troops, the king doth smile at and is well prepared to whip this dwarvish war these pygmy arms from out the circle of his territories. There end thy brave, and turn thy face in peace. We grant thou canst outscold us, 
Fares you well. We hold our time too precious to be spent with such a brabbler. Give me leave to speak. No, I will speak. We will attend to Nizer. Strike up the drums and let the tongue of war plead for our interest and our being here. Indeed, your drums being beaten will cry out, and so shall you being beaten. Do but start an echo with the clamor of thy drum, and even at hand a drum is ready braced that shall reverberate all as loud as thine. Sound but another, and another shall as loud as thine rattle the welkin's ear and mock the deep-mouthed thunder. For at hand, not trusting to this halting legate here, whom he hath used rather for sport than need, is warlike John, and in his forehead sits a bare-ribbed death, whose office is this day to feast upon whole thousands of the French. Strike up the drums to find this danger out. And thou shalt find it, Dauphin. Do not doubt. How goes the day with us? Uh, tell me, Hubert. Badly, I fear. How fares your majesty? This fever that hath troubled me so long lies heavy on me. Oh, my heart is sick. My lord, your valiant kinsman Falconbridge desires your majesty to leave the field and send him word by me which way you go. Uh, tell him towards Swinstead, to the abbey there. Be of good comfort, for the great supply that was expected by the Dauphin here are wrecked three nights ago on Goodwin Sands. This news was brought to Richard but even now. The French fight coldly and retire themselves. I me, this tyrant fever burns me up and will not let me welcome this good news. Set on towards Swinstead, to my litter straight. Weakness possesseth me and I am faint. I did not think the king so stored with friends. Up once again, put spirit in the French. If they miscarry, we miscarry too. That misbegotten devil, Falconbridge, in spite of spite alone upholds the day. Say King John, sore sick, hath left the field. Lead me to the revolts of England here. When we were happy, we had other names. It is the Count Malun, wounded to death. Fly, noble English. You are uh, bought and sold. Andre the rude eye of rebellion. Uh, and uh, welcome home again. Discarded wraith. Seek out King John and fall before his feet. For if the French be lords of this of this loud day, he means to recompense the pains you take by cutting off your heads. Thus hath he sworn, and I with him, and many more with me, upon 
the altar at St. Edmundsbury. Even on that altar where we swore to you, dear Amity, and everlasting love. May this be possible. May this be true. Have uh, I not hideous death within my view, retaining but a quantity of life, uh, which <coughs> bleeds away, even as a form of wax resolveth from his figure against the fire. What in the world should make me now deceive, since I must lose uh, the use of all deceit? Why should I then be false, since it is true that I must die here and live hence by truth? I say again, if Louis, uh, if Louis do win the day, he is forsworn. If e'er those eyes of yours behold another uh, daybreak in the east, but even this night, whose black contagious breath. Uh, already smokes about the burning crest of the old, feeble, and dayward sun. Even this ill night, your breathing shall expire, paying the fine of rated treachery. Even with a treacherous fine of all your lives, if Louis, by your assistance, Ah, win the day. Ah, ah. Commend me to one Hubert with your king. Ah, the love of him and uh, his respect. Ah, besides, <coughs> for that, my grandsire. Was an Englishman awakes my conscience ah, to confess all this in the whereof I pray you bear me hence from forth ah, the noise and rumor of the fields where I may think. The remnant of my thoughts in peace. And part this body, my soul, with contemplation. And devout desires. We do believe thee. And beshrew my soul, but I do love the favor and the form of this most fair occasion, by the which we will untread the steps of damned flight, and like a baited and retired flood, leaving our rankness and irregular course, stoop low within those bounds we have overlooked, and cabby run on in obedience even to our ocean, to our great King John. My arm shall give thee help to bear thee hence, for I do see the cruel pangs of death right in thine eye. Away, my friends, new flight and happy newness that intends old right.
the sun of heaven, methought was loath to set, but stayed and made the western welkin blush, when English measure backwards their own ground in faint retire. Oh, bravely came we off, when, with a volley of our needless shot, after such bloody toil, we bid good night, and wound our tattering colours clearly up, last in the field, and almost lords of it. Where is my prince, the Dauphin? Here. What news? The Count Melon is slain. The English lords, by his persuasion, are again fallen off. And your supply, which you have wished so long, are cast away and sunk on Gudrun Sands. Ah, foul shrewd news. Beshrews I very heart. I did not think to be so sad tonight as this hath made me. Who was he that said King John did fly an hour or two before the stumbling knight did part our weary paths? Whoever spoke it, it is true, my lord. Well, keep good quarter and good care tonight. The day shall not be up so soon as I to try the fair advantage of tomorrow. Who's there? Speak, ho! Speak quickly or I shoot! A friend. What art thou? Of the part of England. Whither dost thou go? What's that to thee? Why may not I demand of thine affairs as well as thou of mine? Hubert, I think. Thou hast a perfect thought. I will upon all hazards well believe thou art my friend that knows my tongue so well. Who art thou? Who thou wilt. And if thou please, thou mayst befriend me so much as to think I come one way of the Plantagenets. Unkind remembrance! Thou and I this night have done me shame! Brave soldier, pardon me that any accent breaking from thy tongue should escape the true acquaintance of mine ear. Come, come, sans compliment. What news abroad? Why, here walk I in the black brow of night to find you out. Brief, then, and what's the news? Oh, my sweet sir, news fitting to the night. Black, fearful, comfortless, and horrible. Show me the very wound of this ill news. I am no woman. I'll not swoon at it. The king, I fear, is poisoned by a monk. I left him almost speechless, and broke out to acquaint you with this evil, that you might the better arm you to the sudden time than if you had at leisure known of this. How did he take it? Who did taste to him? A monk, I tell you. A resolved villain whose bowels suddenly burst out. Who didst thou leave to tend to his majesty? Why, know you not? The nobles are all come back, and brought Prince Henry in their company at whose request the king hath pardoned them, and they are all about his majesty. Withhold thine indignation, mighty heaven, and tempt us not to bear above our power. I'll tell thee, Hubert, half my power this night passing these flats are taken by the tide. These Lincoln washes have devoured them. Myself, well mounted, hardly have escaped. Away before, conduct me to the king. I doubt he will be dead or ere I come. It is too late. The life of all his blood is touched corruptibly, and his pure brain, which some suppose the soul's frail dwelling-house, doth by the idle comments that it makes foretell the ending of mortality. His Highness yet doth speak, and holds belief that, being brought into the open air, it would allay the burning quality of that fell poison which assaileth him. Let him be brought into the orchard here. Doth he still rage? Well, he is more patient than when you left him. 
Even now he sung. O vanity of sickness! Fierce extremes in their continuance will not feel themselves. Death, having preyed upon the outward parts, leaves them invisible. And his siege is now against the mind, the which he pricks and wounds with many legions of strange fantasies, which, in their throng and press to that last hold, confound themselves. Tis strange that death should sing. I am the signet to this pale, faint swan, who chants a doleful hymn to his own death, and from the organ-pipe of frailty sings his soul and body to their lasting rest. Be of good comfort, prince, for you are born to set a form upon that indigest which he hath left so shapeless and so rude. Ay, marry, now my soul hath held a room, it would not out at windows nor doors. There is so hot a summer in my bosom that all my vows crumble up to dust. I am a scribbled form, drawn with a pen upon a parchment, and against this fire do I shrink up. How fares your majesty? Poisoned. <laughs> Ill-fare. Dead, forsook, cast off, and none of you will bid the winter come to thrust his icy fingers in my maw, nor let my kingdom's rivers take the course of my burnt bosom, nor entreat the north to make his bleak winds kiss my parched lips and comfort me with cold. Oh, that there were some virtue in my tears that might relieve you. The salt in them is hot. Within me is a hell. And there the poison is as a fiend confined to tyrannize on unreprievable condemned blood. Oh, I am scalded with my violent motion and spleen of speed to see your majesty. Oh, cousin, <coughs> the heart come to set mine eye. The tackle of my heart is cracked and burned. Nor the shrouds wherewith my life should sail are turned to one thread. One little hair, my heart hath one poor string to stay it by, which holds but till thy news be uttered. And then all this, thou seest, is but a clod and module of confounded royalty. The Dauphin's preparing hitherward, where heaven he knows how we shall answer him. For in a night, the best part of my power, as I upon advantage did remove, were in the washes all unwarily devoured by the unexpected flood. <laughs> ah. <clears throat> you breathe these dead news in as dead an ear. My liege, my lord, but now a king, now thus. Even so must I run on, and even so stop. What surety of the world, what hope, what stay, when... This was now a king, and now is clay. Art thou gone so? I do but stay behind to do the office for thee of revenge, and then my soul shall wait on thee to heaven, as it on earth hath been thy servant still. Now, now, you stars that move in your right spheres, where be your powers? Show now your mended faith, and instantly return with me again 
to push destruction and perpetual shame out of the weak door of our fating land. Straight let us seek, or straight we shall be sought. The Dauphin rages at our very heels. It seems you know not then so much as we. The Cardinal Pendulf is within at rest, who half an hour since came from the Dolphin, and brings with him such offers of our peace as we with honor and respect may take, with purpose presently to leave this war. He will the rather do it when he sees ourselves well sinewed to our defense. Nay, it is in a manner done already. For many carriages he hath dispatched to the seaside, and put his cause and quarrel to the disposing of the cardinal, with whom yourself, myself, and other lords, if you think meet, this afternoon will post to consummate this business happily. Let it be so. And you, my noble prince, with other princes that may best be spared, shall wait upon your father's funeral. At Worcester must his body be interred, for so he willed it. Thither shall it, then. And happily may your sweet self put on the lineal state and glory of the land, to whom with all submission on my knee I do bequeath my faithful services and true subjection everlastingly. And the like tender of our love we make, to rest without a spot forevermore. I have a kind soul that would give you thanks, and knows not how to do it but with tears. Oh, let us pay the time but needful woe, since it hath been beforehand with our griefs. This England never did, nor never shall, lie at the proud foot of a conqueror, but when it first did help to wound itself. Now these her princes are come home again, come the three corners of the world in arms, and we shall shock them. Naught shall make us rue, if England to itself do rest but true. The Pendant Shakespeare, also known as the Wild Bill Variety Show, King John, featuring the voice talents of Russell Gold as King John, Kyle Garrett as Philip the Bastard, Edward Herman as Hubert, Taher Chowdhury as King Philippe, Valena Cutler as Constance, Laura Bramblett as the Countess of Salisbury, Will Harrison Wallace as Louis the Dauphin, Kristen Mass as Arthur, Karim Cronfley as Cardinal Pandolf, Julia Eve as Queen Eleanor, Natalia Orlovsky as the Countess of Pembroke, Alexandra Elroy as Austria, Keith Morrison as the First Citizen, Olivia Steele as Blanche, Dave Morgan as the Messenger, Will Shipley as Prince Henry, Pete Lutz as Lord Bigot, Lisa Michaud as Châtillon, Sarah Golding as Lady Falconbridge, Jordan Haas as Robert Falconbridge, Adam Blanford as Moulin, Hannah Jancondel as the Executioner, Dragon X Blink as the French Herald, Susan Evind as the English Herald, Veronica Louise as Gurney, and Adam Wayman as Peter of Pomfret. Written by William Shakespeare. Adapted for audio by Landon Bell. Directed by George Linfield. Assistant Director Joel Rowan. Music by Doxand Zygmunt of soundcloud.com forward slash Doxand hyphen Zygmunt. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2018 Pendant Productions.
For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.